Hey everybody, welcome to update version 1.01. I want to just say a big thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode and gave me a lot of great feedback. And I had probably uh, seven or eight people who are interested in jumping on. And we already have some ideas kind of brewing around, um, such as uh, friends before gaming. Uh, you know, a friendship that had already blossomed and then gaming made it stronger. Uh, and then... Uh, I have another group of friends, uh, another couple of people that were friends because of gaming. That because of a game we actually met online and we've been friends, oh man, for I think almost almost three years that we've been pretty good friends. And, and I think it'd be interesting to have one episode dedicated to the before and then to the because. And um, uh, as well, we have a, a few other ideas brewing. But uh, I, I just wanted to say thank you. So I think for today's episode, I want to talk about decisions in in gaming, and 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 I mean in-game decisions. So you have a game, and I'm going to use a more current iteration when I talk about it, um, but the Deus Ex series. And if you if you've never heard of the Deus Ex series, it's a um, it's a first-person shooter that has a lot of elements to it. Uh, you, you can either tackle a situation head-on. With you know, go go in guns a blazing, and you know, take cover. Try to tackle it as brute force as possible. There's also the stealth way, and 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 <laughs> there's the stealth way of doing it head on, where you go in hand to hand combat, and you you take down individual people, and you try to do it stealthily and uh, get them out of the way. There's also the um, stealth approach where, you know, you don't kill anybody. And something in the Deus Ex games is that for the majority of the game, you can go without killing a single person um, or incapacitating a single person, uh, which the ability to do that really speaks because it, it shows you, it doesn't have to be a mindless shooter for every game. There, there can be very well done uh, tactics. There can be there can be moments where you pause the pause, uh, set the pause menu and you're like, all right, let me get the layout of the map. What kind of room am I in? Can I go up to the rafters? Can I use a tranquilizing rifle? Can I use a regular sniper rifle? Um, what what are the risks that I'm taking for each um, individual path of completing this? Or can I avoid everything and just just get to the end? Because these guys are way too tough for me right now. Um, but that in a game like Deus Ex, the enemies are too tough. Aren't that isn't necessarily an issue because you are about as strong as you are, except for the augmentations that you add to your body. You are about as strong because of your weaponry and such. The, the enemies don't necessarily get stronger. Uh, there are more of them, and they have. Um, you know, they may change, and they may uh, you know increase their AI to uh, to give you more of a challenge because you've learned the game's mechanics a little better. But uh, for for me, I would love to see an MMO that would implement similar ideas. However, my my key issue with that is I want the MMO to scale the decision with the player base. 
So I think if lots of people are making decisions, um, you know, it, it would actually cause a rift or uh, an uprising, you know, the, uh, a, a, a group of um, players are, you know, hoarding all the rabbits, let's say, for example. And, you know, the ecosystem kind of reflects that. And then, it, you know, they become hostile. And um, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe the, whoever the rabbit's main predators are, maybe they start attacking humans way more often than they, you know, you know I, I want the players to affect the environments and the ecosystem. I think that'd be really cool. But here, here's my other issue with decision-making is that, oh, I just slapped the microphone. The decisions in games almost never actually matter at the end. And as much as I want to talk about MMOs, I think I'm going to have to talk about single players even more because that's, that's where decisions come in. That's where a player by themselves can, you know, uh, change the world as they see fit through their decisions. Or, you know, a game like World of Warcraft, the decisions are already made. You know, you, you've chosen Alliance or Horde, you do those missions, that's it. You, you you have to follow their story. With Deus Ex, there is a story, and you have to follow it. How you get to the end is up to you. Um, and, and I know uh, there's probably going to be some people saying, well, in World of Warcraft, you can do whatever you want. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, yeah, you know, there's still, you have to complete and, you know, Deus Ex does have a lot of this as well, but you have to complete this. Yeah. You, you I mean, you still have to, you have to kill 12 Murlocs a hundred times. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter how you complete it. Where in Deus Ex, it rewards you for completing it different ways. Uh, you get bonuses for knocking people out. You get bonuses for being stealthy. Uh, you, there's incentive to do certain things rather than, well, what weapon do I want to use? Now, Deus Ex does have a lot of different weapons as well. Uh, so th there, there are quite a, quite a few similarities. I will give it that. I, but what's the difference? Why do I feel like Deus Ex gives me so much more openness and decision-making and independence rather than World of Warcraft? Because when I play World of Warcraft and, and I, I understand, you know, like I said before, it's difficult for a multiplayer game to really be able to implement that type of thing. So let, let's go to... Yeah, I think another game is going to be the Far, Far Cry. And I, I'll use Far Cry 3 as an example. That's the one I've put the most hours into. Well, maybe Far Cry 2. No, let's do Far Cry 3. Far Cry 3 has that same element of being able to do as you please because when I played Far Cry 3 the first time well when I played Far Cry 2 I would use uh Guns Ablazing. When I played Far Cry 3 the first time I played through it was Guns Ablazing, pick up an AK, pick up an LMG, pick up a sniper um and and just wreck house constantly. Wreck house, wreck house. Uh, I I always picked up a flamethrower because the environment was uh, you, you can you can play with the environment, burn down trees and stuff. Uh, that that's a whole different episode. And I just TLDR, I love it. I love when an environment can be destroyed. 
Uh, actually, no, not a different different episode because that that really ties into it. Because in Far Cry Two, you can burn trees, and and that affects you being able to see. It's it, it's a type of you know you can hide in the tree or you can burn the tree. You don't give a crap about the tree, and and just be able to do it do as you please. And and I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, not a different episode. We're going to talk about this episode. Being able to do as you please is, although that really fits into my my real life ideology, is I want to do what I want. And when a game doesn't allow me to, to really do that, I feel stuck. Um, Minecraft, for example, um, you you can really do whatever you want. The entire world is... Uh, formable mold mold to your desire if you see a large mountain you can rip it to shreds you can absolutely take out that mountain as if it never existed or if you want to add a mountain create your own mountain you can you can terraform as much as you want that is a lot of freedom uh and, and another one of my favorite games is called seven days to die and it's it's a zombie survival uh horror thriller game um, uh, that world is also you can also terraform and the devs are <laughs> they've, they've discussed how difficult it is and I can't imagine because when I look at a game it's not so much that I want to terraform I know a lot of people do a lot of people want to dig underground build a bunker and then turtle their way to victory. Um, and I'm not against that. Uh, I, th I think I think that's fair and that's fine. That's not. I don't always want to play like that. Uh, in a game like Seven Days to Die, I think it, it's more positive that you do because uh, you know there are waves of zombies coming constantly. You you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your your house. Um, being able to terraform and dig underground and build a bunker—I mean, that's that's probably in real life what people would do, right? I mean, so that that makes sense to me. Um, in a game like uh, Ark Survival Evolved, where the dinosaurs can't really attack your base um, unless they're you know gigantic creatures, but once once you have metal, uh, once you have a metal foundation, metal structure. You don't really have that problem. And uh, you know, people choose to hide in underground uh, caves, underwater caves, uh, hide, hide as far away from everyone as possible, and then just gather immense amounts of resources and just start pooping on everybody. You know, just start destroying everybody's stuff. Uh, and that, funny enough, feels bad to me. So... And, and I've, got, I've gotten off topic, so I'll, I'll jump back to decision making. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it should just be a whole separate. And, I, and I'll, I'll talk with, I'm sure I'll talk with other people about you know terraforming and being able to do as you please. But um, in in Deus Ex Human Revolution, there's a certain decision that made me feel like, and and spoiler alert, I'll tell you because it's the game's kind of uh it, it's 
past it's past the point where spoiling it is wrong, right? It's it's been quite a few years. The decision is: Do you want to upgrade your biochip? Well, here's the deal: the game tells you you need to, but when you look at the mission logs, you don't have to. And that screamed to me: something's going to happen if I do. Something's going to happen if I don't. Now, everyone's um, everyone's biochip is kind of wigging out. Uh, you know, people who are augmented, they're they're kind of glitching. Things are going wrong, and getting it upgraded could fix it. Getting it not upgraded probably won't fix it. Now, Deus Ex is a series based on conspiracy theories. One of one of the major enemies in the Deus Ex series is the Illuminati, right? So it's it's very heavily based in conspiracy theory. So when I saw that it was an optional mission. I saved. Now, I save constantly, but I made note of that save specifically because if I'm going in, if I'm going to upgrade this biochip because the game told me to, the one of one of the main characters' friends, well, uh, colleagues, I should say, not friends, says, upgrade your biochip because you need to. Everyone needs to. I have no reason to distrust this guy. Okay. I'll save. I'll make note of this. You know, it was save 47. Save 47 is the point of no return for upgrading the biochip. I'd saved, upgrade the biochip, and it turns out that upgrading the biochip was actually worse because it implemented a, uh, a mind control. So people could take over your brain and make you hallucinate, make you go psychotic, and uh, you, you weren't allowed certain things in a boss fight. Um, you, you were disabled. You had to fight these glitches. I thought it was really interesting. But but I could tell. I, I could tell that something was up. So I finished the game. And I went back to save 47. And I didn't upgrade the biochip. I went straight into story mode. I just, I just went right into it. And as she was trying to activate the glitch... It didn't work. And the look on her face was, you know, surprise and anxiety and all that. Uh, and then the main character is, uh, he, he looks very tough for it. He's like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you can't beat me. I, I know, I know. Um, which is, that to, that to me was one of the most important moments in gaming to me because it showed me not every decision has to be made. Not every decision should be made. Um, and there, there are mankind divided. The sequel to human revolution really fleshed that out. I don't think nearly as the game wasn't as good in a way, but I think it offered more decision-making. The problem with Human Revolution and Mankind Divided, as many decisions as you make, actually the whole Deus Ex series, the, the more decisions you make, the more you feel like you have customized your experience. This is your game. This is how you played. It's special to you. My problem is at the end of the game, it didn't matter. 
not one of your decisions mattered. Uh, that's not entirely true. The majority of your decisions didn't matter. I mean, here, here's here's the deal. If you save certain people, then you get to click a different button than you would have normally. You know, if you save party A, a button opens up. If you save party B, another button opens up. And then there's the story button that you pick if you didn't do those side things. It's still a button that ends the game. It's still a button. Right? So you didn't you didn't do much. And and in Far Cry 2, it's and I'm and I'm sorry if I keep mentioning these games that I'm I'm sure some of you have never even heard of or played, but um these are the games that I grew up on, these are the games that I enjoy, and it's the games that I just know really well. So <laughs> uh, Far Cry 2, um, which has one of the best villains, in my opinion. Uh, near the end of the game, you've made all these decisions, you've chosen your factions, you've done this. Uh, you've done that, and the big bad evil guy, uh, he offers you two decisions. Either kill yourself, or I think kill yourself. I, I, <laughs> I think either way you had you had to kill yourself. Um, by either exploding something, or uh, murdering... Uh, the leader of the faction that you chose. But in turn, that would get you killed, right? Because uh, you're surrounded by your enemy at that point. So do decisions ever really matter in gaming? And I think they should. I think if you're, gonna, if you're going to allow players to create a, an experience based on decisions... Why should that not carry carry over? And I think Mass Effect. I I did not play the. I, I know that a friend of mine has, and and he'll be on the podcast eventually. But um, he discussed how awesome it was that the, the decisions you made in Mass Effect One, you could transfer those to Mass Effect Two, and the world is different because of how you played Mass Effect One. That that's one of the greatest things to me that a game has implemented being able to import decisions into a sequel. Something like something like Borderlands two, maybe it's Borderlands one. I'll just use Borderlands as an example, just as a series. You can make some decisions. And Borderlands has the same issue that I think most MMOs have. It's that you can use whatever weaponry you want to get to the end. You know, if you, if you want to play the, the machine gunner and then go to a shotgunner. Uh, if you, you know, if you're playing World of Warcraft, you want to go from a sword. You want to go to a bow and arrow. Okay. All all that the game cares about is that you're completing the missions. Uh, in Borderlands, there's not really stealth. It's more like staying far enough away that the the uh, characters don't recognize that you're they, they can't find you. You're too far away. Um, that doesn't feel like a customizable experience to me, and. 
something else about decisions are um, skill trees. You know, do skill trees count as decision making? And I don't think they do because it, it affects you and how your character develops, but it's not affecting the world. I want the world to change because of decisions. I want a game that the, I don't know if you've ever heard, but the Stanley Parable is a narrative game that is almost strictly based on decision. Um, if you do certain things, it leads you down certain paths. And and then you're blocked off from it. I love that. Um, the Stanley Parable, I haven't played it in a few years. I, I really need to start it back up just to just to get a good feel for it. But having that customizable experience, I the the idea that in I think the the greatest decision making game is Dungeons and Dragons, right? Because <laughs> it is it is literally your decisions affect the world, and I think that's probably where I get it from. Um, I'm currently in uh, I'm dungeon I'm the dungeon master for a session between my my dad and two of my best friends, and they they recently made a decision that blew my mind. That they have now, <laughs> they have now cut off an entire storyline because of a decision they made, and they they ended it. They had no idea, and they moved on. From my end, it was devastating. From their end, they have no idea, and I think, I think I want to be the player until. I get, you know, I, I want to play the game and I want to make those decisions and then I want to go back and replay it and make the opposite decision or a different decision just to see what the difference is. <laughs> oh, here's another good example. Skyrim. The Civil War. Okay, the Civil War as... No, the podcast didn't stop. I'm... I'm, I'm trying to find the words. The Civil War storyline is the weakest storyline in Skyrim. I didn't, I didn't say that's bad. A lot of people do, but I didn't. <laughs> I actually, I actually enjoy. Whoop! I just dropped my phone. I actually enjoy the Civil War story. I, it's boring to play out because it becomes all right you're in a city i need you to go to point a after you go to point a you have to go to point b when you're at point b i need you to kill a bunch of people after point b go back to point a after point a go back to the town and you do that mission i think 12 times and you have to do it not in a row it's like i think two or three times in a row and then you get some story. And then the world starts to change a little bit. And then you you do the city to A to B to A to B to A to city. And there could have been so much more. It could have been so much better than what it is. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not. But 
the world changes. The people who were in charge of certain cities, by the end of the Civil War, they could change. Uh, but not that it affects anything. Right? So, you know, Jarl A, and, and, and Jarl is the, uh, the kind of leader of the territory. Okay, so Jarl A is replaced by Jarl B, but that doesn't change anything. Now, it changed who was in charge, and it might change, you know, who works in the castle and who lives in the town, you know, what race lives in the town. But as far as the missions go, they stay the same. There's no... You know, there's no uprising from the town because they don't like the new Jarl. There's no, uh, there's no new conflicts to choose because of the way you battled the Civil War. It's uh, you, you've changed the color, but you haven't changed the game. So, is that good decision making? I don't think so. I, I, I don't. I don't think that qualifies because it's it's hollow. Having hollow decisions, and and when I got to the end of if human revolution, and you have to push a button to end the game, it it it, it felt so empty. You know, it, it felt like, well, then what the what the heck was I doing the whole time? What what was the point of me? What was the point of me doing anything? I could have just gone in guns a blazing every mission, not completed a single side quest, and the result is still the same. And and that made me feel bad. As much as I loved Human Revolution, and I do, it's definitely top ten. It, the ending makes me feel bad. Not nearly as bad as the first Borderlands ending, but that's that's probably a story. That's probably going to be a podcast for another time. Uh, <laughs> the endings of games. <laughs> Good versus bad. Um, yeah. Uh, I only have a few minutes left. And I'm going to go through my, my library of games. And I'm going to point out just some of the... Well, I have to log in. I want to point out some of the the good and the bad as far as decisions making decision making goes. Uh, if this will ever ever load. All right. Uh, the Borderlands series, the Deus Ex series, um, Oblivion. Again, the Elder Scrolls series just has that you are free to make decisions as you please, but the ending will always be the same. That is not I don't like that. Um, oh, I I will. Okay, I saw Grand Theft Auto Five, and now I'm going to talk about this for the rest of the few minutes that I have. Grand Theft Auto Five, I think, has one of the greatest implementations in gaming as far as immersion goes. When you're playing the story, as you complete missions, and the way that you complete missions, the radio changes. Now, I know that that doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you're driving down the road, listening to your favorite, you know, whatever that pop station is, <laughs> you're listening to that really good song and the DJ host comes on. Uh, is that redundant? DJ host? Whatever. The DJ comes on and they describe 
certain situations. And then it cuts to commercial and you hear a couple commercials and then you hear the news breaking news. The head of life invader just had his head exploded. And you're like, I did that. I changed the world. The world is now different because of that. And because of that mission, and it, it does explain it to you in the mission, as you complete missions, the stock market changes. So you can actually become an incredibly rich person. Now, you're playing Grand Theft Auto V. You're going to be very rich by the end of the game anyway. But you can become incredibly rich just following your decisions in the game and how it would affect the stock market or other stocks in that market, you know? <laughs> That's one of the coolest things. And I I got really involved in it when I got into story mode because I thought, okay, we're attacking this company. Their stock is going to plummet after that. And then I'll buy up super low and then I can sell when it's high. Right? Uh, and it got me involved in the game. not Not with the game, but in the game. Uh, so the radio, the stock market, but again, <laughs> it, you know, you, you, you travel however you want to points A, B, C, and D, you're still going to be playing the same game. And that really affects replayability in my opinion. So I don't have much time left. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you like this, leave a review. And you can find me on Twitter, or I think I still have my Facebook going at uh, Heckova Productions. And you can find us on Twitter at slash Heckova Pro. And I hope you guys have a heck of a day. See you later.